0: and we are going. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the High Button Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Generous United. Quick little update on Generous United. Kind of exciting. They are offering 500 six-month memberships for free to Nova Scotians who want to save money on their prescription medication. I want to talk to people who are semi-retired, maybe fully retired, and don't have that full-time job that offers you Healthcare full time. When you retire or when you're semi retired, it can be a little bit uh, difficult to afford healthcare. And we're talking to those people right now. So we want to make sure that you head on over to generousunited.ca, that's G E N R U S United.ca, and see if there's any medication that you can use. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it is you. Maybe it's a loved one. It doesn't really matter who. As long as you're able to start saving money, money, excuse me, on your medication, Generous United, the pharmacist in your community will be happier people. That's what it's all about at the end of the day, living a better life, living happier. And at the same time, why not save some money? You know what I'm talking about? Remember, generousunited.ca. That's G-E-N-R-U-S Today's episode is also brought to you by Osprey Ridge Golf Course, a Graham Cook designed course, 45 minutes outside of the city. family owned. And that's the thing. you know when like a course is family owned, you know that it's well maintained. We're pretty much there, or at least I'm there pretty much every weekend. The fairways are beautiful, the greens play a great pace. and most importantly, ladies and gentlemen, the deck, the clubhouse. The porch, whatever you want to put it, they have a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful viewing area outside that looks over the first couple holes on to the golf course. Grab a couple beer, two, three, four, well, who am I to tell you how many beer you want to grab at Osprey Ridge after you play your nine or your 18? Head on up to that deck after you play. I'm telling you, you will not regret it. Remember, Osprey Ridge Golf Course, only 45 minutes outside of the city. We will be there. We hope to see you there, and maybe we'll get around in together, okay? So head on out to Osprey Ridge Golf Course. And we're back. What a a game of hockey last night i'm not gonna lie i fell asleep in the third period but i woke up this morning and i watched the highlights for the montreal vegas game if you don't know my last name is belanger my dad grew up in montreal so i was kind of born into the habitant uh fan base uh you know i'm excited i don't usually talk about who i'm a, a fan of a lot on this podcast but like i said i was born into the montreal fan base with the last name being belanger and uh spending every you know every now and then i'd spend a christmas uh up in Montreal when I was younger, so it's uh, it, it's just good to see my grandparents still live up there. They haven't been able to get to any games, but you know, j- just seeing the Montreal do well right now. I know they're still not out of this series, but it brings excitement to myself and my family. Uh, and I and I hope they go to the finals. And man, if they do go to the finals, I don't even know what the rule is right now. Like if Nova Scotians can go to Quebec or if they can come back and isolate. I I don't even really. There's too many rules right now. I'm not even paying attention, but if that isn't a rule if I can go to Montreal and come back and not have to isolate, I'd love to do something like that, but it would be great to be able to get up and even just go to a bar up in Montreal during the finals would be unreal. Anyways, that's that's all that's all uh you know, we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. But nonetheless, exciting hockey on right now. It's on a little late, but hey, what are you going to do? This is historic hockey. You can't sweat the small stuff. Uh, today on the High Button Podcast, extremely excited about these two guests Luke Green and Kiefer House. Luke, drafted by the Winnipeg Jets in the 2016 NHL Draft, third round, 79th over all. This past year he played for the Manitoba Moose and he actually played a little bit in Finland. The The professional league this year was up and down and I think he said he went over to, to Finland to get a couple games in. I'm not sure if he, uh, if he stayed a lot over there. I think he only played like two games over in Finland. And then uh, he was back in Manitoba and he was actually up in Winnipeg a little bit this year too. Uh, I think he was on the taxi squad. So he got a little NHL taste this year. Uh, nonetheless, happy to talk to Luke. We are I think Luke was on the podcast like three years ago. I think Luke was one of our first ever NHL guys. I don't think it was. Yeah, it was like three years ago he was on. Yeah, he was like one of our first NHL guys to uh, to come on the podcast. And that meant a lot to me back then. And uh, we were playing golf the other day together. And uh, we actually ended up talking about how he's starting a, a hockey camp, a hockey school around here. And I thought it would be a great idea for him to come on the podcast, talk about his hockey school, talk about uh, where the idea came from, and talk about what he wants to teach uh, the younger hockey community here here in Halifax or here in the HRM. So I thought that would be exciting. It's going to be a great episode with Luke. We also have Kiefer House. If you don't know Kiefer, he is the all-time leading scorer for the Dalhousie men's hockey team. I did a little math here. It's it's early in the morning, but I still did some math. Uh and I added up Kiefer's stats. Games played 115 for the Dalhousie University men's hockey team. And in those 115 games played, he has 140 points, making him the all time leader for the Dalhousie University men's hockey team. I'm excited to talk to Luke. I'm excited to talk to Kiefer. It's going to be a great episode. Midweek podcast, Hump Day, Wednesday. We're here. I'm Justin. This is the High Button Podcast. Here we go. You know what comes next. Well, Mary, gentlemen, we're going. Second time's a charm. How is everyone? Very good. Doing yeah. well. I remember the just the, who. What was the guy's name we were just talking about? Scott Boggs. So I remember when I played for the Halifax Lions. Yeah. The the colors were uh, New York Islanders. Yeah. So our trainer Breaker was like, "Yeah, we got all of our equipment and our old gear was from the Islanders the year before." Yeah. And I think that was that the was connection. Scotty? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah cool. for
1: sure. Because when when I was playing, Breaker and Scotty were there, and Breaker was sort of the the mainstay and bogsy was still in high like he was literally finishing high school when when we were playing junior so and then went off and did there was a some kind of college or something in ontario that you could go and actually take a diploma course in being an equipment no yeah so it was like courses were like fixing gear and stuff like that so wow he went and did that and then uh the network through to, uh, I forget where he started, but like in the coast, I want to say. Like That's usually how it starts. Yeah, literally like a player, like started in the coast and worked yeah. his way up and went from there. So Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it'd be I love the behind the, the scenes aspect yep. of it. That's
0: sick. It, does, he, does he live in Halifax in the offseason? Uh he, he, he
1: comes back to visit. They're they're he? down there pretty much permanently. Well, now,
0: if so. he's here and you get a hold of him, I'd love to have him yeah. on the podcast. That'd yeah. be
1: great. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um well first of all, gentlemen, thank you guys for coming. Like I said, Wednesday, eleven o'clock, midday. I appreciate that for, for you guys both being here. Yeah. Luke, you said you were getting a hold of some emails this morning. I was like, Hey, <laughs> a little pro hockey, a little business on the side. You're you're, you're becoming a man of of uh, of both skill sets. Uh, how's that coming for you? Yeah, that's the plan
2: uh it's going well so far yeah it's hockey's well uh the professional side or the playing side's been my life for uh since i can remember so to to branch out into different areas and still stick with the hockey it's yeah it's i'm having fun with it
0: what gave you the idea to to start a hockey camp
2: uh i wanted to do one for the last couple years i think uh growing up as a defenseman um specifically in offensive defense I I took quite a bit of heat maybe or uh, heat that I didn't really expect or or didn't wasn't aware of just um, just just comes with the the position I guess Um, and I wasn't uh, I had a lot of help on the offensive side and the skill work and the skating and uh, I excelled in that but um, just specific uh, defense skills that weren't really taught whether it be angling or or your one-on-ones or gaps um, those things I, I wasn't uh taught a, a ton of in minor hockey so when i got to the junior major junior level and, and the pro level um it, it might have t- taken a little longer yeah um, but if i could give back and and teach kids in minor hockey some of those defense specific skills that's that's my goal and i i've truly believe it'll it'll help their development and and speed it up uh speed up the process along the way
0: that's awesome i'm happy to hear that you 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 found a direction in that sense and that you think that you can help other people i find the communication i've played hockey majority of my life and i think it's a it's an interesting skill set to be able to communicate certain things to to younger hockey players and I guess it, that depends too on the player, if the player is willing to learn it or not. But I've definitely had coaches in my day that were terrible at it. And I've had coaches in my day that were amazing at it, that were able to translate a game just through drawing on a whiteboard on how to implement something. And it's a skill set. So mm-hmm. I wish you all the best. And I hope everything goes well uh, with the camp this year. And we're excited to be involved mm-hmm. with it as well. Yeah, super excited to have you guys. And then Kiefer, I know you have uh, you have your own camp as well? Yeah, I it,
1: run my own company. It's basically what I – that's okay. how I make my living. I run a awesome. top-shelf hockey program. So um, I'm actually, uh, lucky enough, Luke uh, invited me out to help him out with his camp this summer. So it's a fun kind of full circle thing where I can remember him and his brother being out at hockey schools when they were probably Adam or Peewee, I guess, was the first time I crossed paths with them. And then we spent some time at Newbridge together and kind of stayed loosely connected ever since. So, yeah, it's fun to, uh, I mean, I'm getting to that age now where, guys that I coached or had in hockey schools and stuff way back when are now playing pro and doing all kinds of cool things or in college and stuff. So it's neat to see some of the, some of the roots and experiences they've had.
0: What are some of the things that you saw in Luke and his brother at such a young age that you
1: see (laughs) now? It was, uh, I'm not, and I'm not saying this, I trust me because he's here, but like they (laughs) they just were wired differently, you know, like that's In,
0: in what sense,
1: uh, just the the athleticism and the the compete probably more than anything else, yeah. and the willingness to just try stuff. You know, like you could throw anything at them. Like I I remember it was uh, probably weakness to strengths it was a camp that uh, Cam Russell and uh, Chris Donnelly used to run yep. over in Cole Harbour, and I think that was the first time I met them. And uh, like it was just simple stuff like shoot the duck and stuff like that. Like they were just having a ball. Oh, doing it, you yeah, know? and and I was probably the opposite when I was a player. Where I would be like, I wasn't a great skater, but you know, you would try stuff, but you kind of like half fake that you were doing it. And these guys were just they would wipe out and hop back up and try it again and then nail it, and you know, it was just kind of going on. But it was just kind of infectious to watch them go at it, yeah. And then uh, when I got to, I spent a lot of time with them the couple of years that we were together at Newbridge, and that was really when smaller group size and spending a lot of time on the ice working on specific things that uh, I think was pretty cool to see that whole evolution come and just watch from the beginning of a school year to the end of the school year, how much progress they would make. But just had something, you know, just that willingness to get better every day, I think is probably the biggest thing.
0: And that's one thing I always admire about, you know, kids at that age that they have a willingness to learn. I know I'm going to, you know, probably most don't and if you're able to have that skill set at that young of an age that's always fascinated me cuz i didn't where do you think that 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 drive to compete and to be better came out at, at such a young age for you and your brother
2: good question i parents think, yes parents have a, a huge play a huge role in it they yeah. they always yeah we were lucky enough to have have great parents that instilled hard work and um commitment dedication all all the main fundamentals into us and uh, I think it did help having a twin brother, though, to to push each other. Yeah, um, we were so competitive, and I always wanted to be better than him. And if I I did well, he wanted to do do better. And I think that that uh, made us always hungry. And every time we were on the ice, and it was usually together, we'd uh, we'd compete against each other. And I think that helped both of us
0: yeah it's always nice every time we have like a sibling uh, podcast you can always, who we have on the cruthers brothers, like one of them plays for St John right now, and they always talked about just growing up together just even if it was like eating their cereal quicker, just like like just so competitive about their most ridiculous thing, and they're like, yeah, it translates onto the ice oddly enough, yeah, it's a healthy relationship to have um I want to talk about you, Kiefer, for a second, and I was looking at your stats with dal y- yeah. your first year with dal you were in ninety one that's the year I was born. all good uh you talked right before you got here that you played in the old dow rink that wooden roof yeah probably one of my favorite rinks to play in to this date obviously it's not there anymore but just everything about that uh that rink and i know that organization is at the form now unfortunately but just announced yesterday they're going to be getting a new rink which is very exciting i guess just talk about your overall
1: experience with dalhousie back in the day and how that translated into your your career yeah, right now it was uh i mean i you look back at that time in your life, especially I think when you get uh, a little further away from it and you, uh, you sometimes don't realize at the at the moment, how good you have it. Yeah. Uh, you know, as a college student and being able to, you're own, it's not pro, but you're kind of living a bit of a pro lifestyle where you're going to the rink and training every day and doing all that stuff to, to try to be competitive. And we were fortunate. We had, did have a competitive team and, uh unfortunately Acadia had a really strong team at the same time and we had an obstacle we just couldn't get past those guys the five years I was there it was the same same finish we pretty much I think with with one year we beat SMU out every year and then Acadia beat us out every year and it was just kind of the way that it was SMU could get past us we couldn't get past Acadia (laughs) um but it was it was fun I mean it it translated to my career, I think, and that it that's when I really got into the hockey school mode, and and that was kind of our summer job and how we kind of got our money for school, and uh, it, it was I just enjoyed it. like I I thought about teaching when I was younger, um, and it was kind of a an in between thing, and I actually got away from it for for a few years when uh, when I started my family, uh, but I had played at Dal, coached a couple of years at Dow did a couple years with the max and then took a little bit of a break and then got back into it with my kids in minor hockey, which I think probably in hindsight was, uh, it kind of hurt probably my coaching career development, but yeah. at the same time, I think going back to the grassroots and really, you know, teaching kids how to skate that can't skate and then working your way up through is my kids kind of evolved through and I ended up having three kids that played. So, you know, over the pan of the span of the five years in age separation with them, you're kind of cycling through that whole uh, that whole range again, and uh, it 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 makes you sort of think about okay, how to, what's the best way to do this, and try some things, and what works, and try to glean things from other people that you've worked with and been on the ice with and stuff, and. Uh, and then I was fortunate enough that eventually I was able to turn it into a career. So it's been it's been fun. That's exciting. Yeah.
0: Anytime you get to have a skill set in life and turn it into something that allows you to live for you know, make money off of, that's amazing. Yeah. It's it's a it's awesome. Yeah. Um, Luke, how was your year this year?
2: Uh, it was crazy. I wanna to touch on Kiefer's point there. Okay. Um and and going back to uh what made made me so competitive or um, loved the game so much when I was younger it it was guys like Kiefer it was we we started in uh at Newbridge Academy uh in grade seven and I think that's when we probably connected yeah. closely to Kiefer yeah um and and Matt would my brother Matt would say the same thing but if we if we didn't have have guys like Kiefer um Jaros Sevchak too he was yeah. a he was a big part um, if we didn't have guys like that, but but Kiefer would be probably the main one. Um, Matt Anthony would be. We we met him later. But um, if we didn't have guys like that, it would have been hard to to stay on track. And st- there's a lot of distractions when you're growing up. And to have have guys like that making the game fun and and uh, helping us get to the next level that was huge. And I, I again, Kiefer is here right now. But I I, I just yeah I want to – Uh, honestly say thanks to to guys like that who who helped us because we wouldn't wouldn't be well I wouldn't be at the pro level if I if I didn't have guys like him
0: I like that you said the word fun what are some things that you like to do in order to make sure that guys have fun playing hockey because we talk to guys every now and then that play the game and you know it's if you're on a four game losing streak it's not fun but if you can somehow implement the game and and have fun within it it, 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 it's 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 hard to do but if you can do it yeah I think
1: it's different when you're when you're with your team in that environment, I think there's uh, additional stressors because the, the record when you're playing at a high level becomes a real thing. Yeah, um, It gets, I think, complicated for kids now that are in that U15, U18 where there's a lot of talk about the draft and, you know, where you're ranked on elite prospects or whatever the case may be. And those things become distractions. And I think then, uh, you know, try and... In the environment that I'm typically in, although I do coach, um, when you're working with players and their development, it's it's about helping them get better. And I think if you're if you're doing that, trying to find a way that you can error correct and give them the feedback that they need and try to enhance what they're doing, but do it in a positive way. I mean, you need to hear that the things that you're not doing well or what you need to fix for sure. Um, but I think just the communication side of it and and trying to relate to you know, I, there, there wasn't a job like I have when I was a, when I was a kid. There, there wasn't a hockey skills coach. There wasn't? No. Was there camps at all? There were hockey schools and stuff, but that was it. I mean, when, when I was coming up, like the extra stuff was go, go to up. hockey school for a week or two weeks in the summer. And I was pretty lucky to go for two weeks or three weeks okay. some summers. And when I played spring hockey, uh, it was very much in its infancy then. And I can remember playing on a team out of uh, St. John. I was living in Rossi at the time, and a guy from uh, up in around Miramichi area put this collection of players together. Yeah. And, I mean, I think most all of the guys played major, junior, pro, or college is how it turned out. But at the time, we were just a bunch of random guys that he kind of collected. And we would get together on a Wednesday in practice, drive down to the States on Thursday, play Friday, Saturday, Sunday, spring hockey's over. (laughs) And you would maybe do it again in August, like the same kind of thing. But it was like practice for a day, drive down, play your tournament, and then you were done. And like now, it's like a it's it's a huge industry everywhere, right? And uh, I think that that part's changed. And trying to uh, instill that fun in what you're doing when kids are on the ice as much as they are, yeah, is important. And I there's lots of talk about you know the you know whether you should play multiple sports or you know, single sport and really focus your attention or energy on one or the other. And I don't think it's – I think it's a very individual equation. Um, But I think the balance – like, I see a lot of kids now that are good hockey players that if I threw a football to them or tried to get them to throw a football to me, it's not going to look very good. And when you watch them as hockey players, you're like, that kid looks really athletic. But they're just good at hockey and, like, couldn't play basketball. Like, they can, but it's, like, not the same. Yeah, yeah. And – most of the good players that I've seen um, and, and had contact with were good athletes first and were also good hockey players. So, again, guys like Matt and Luke, Pete Dilibatori, uh, guys like uh, Kyle Penny, some other guys that were around Newbridge days when we were coming through. Um, you know, those guys are all playing pro college hockey now, but we're good baseball players, we're good soccer players, did other stuff that helped round out what they were doing, but also put a lot of time into hockey at the same time. So, you know, it's a it's a big commitment, but I think like Luke said earlier, like that, my daughter plays and she's pretty committed to what she does. And th- I think the, the focus of doing the extra stuff and sort of keeping yourself in line, so to speak, and not having those other distractions become as big a distraction because, you know, you've got to, get up and go to the gym tomorrow or you've got ice time tonight or you've got other things that you're going to do and it's June right like it's not it's not the middle of a season it's when a lot of people aren't doing stuff and trying to you know push yourself for that to to be something that you're engaged with and you're not going because mom and dad are telling you to go that you're making the commitment to do that yourself and they're helping facilitate getting you there you know that's a that's a big game changer
0: yeah I like that was very well said so, just to clarify, you are a, a fan of two sport athletes.
1: You, you... I, I think it's important, and, and it's I, I've read a bunch about it. I've read books on it, and there's pretty much two, not to simplify it too much, and I'm not an expert in the field, but there's basically two schools of thought. And one is that you should do multiple things, mm-hmm. and the other one is is that specialization really works. And if you look at it, uh, you know, look at how many female golfers from Korea on the LPGA tour. That's not an accident, right? Like there's if you go and do a little research, it happens for a reason because that's a thing to do there and people are really honed in on it and focused on it. It's like soccer players from Brazil or, you know, you go around all those stereotypical things and there's a reason for it. But, uh, you know, trying to f- have balance in it, uh, and Brazil's a good thing where, you know, they don't have a structured program per se that they're in all year, mm. but they have a ball at their feet all the time. So you wonder why they're so good and they're so fluid. Yeah. Well, it's because they just go out and play futsal in the streets. Yeah. You know, or on the beach or whatever. So those guys are just at it all the time. Which, again, from when when I was reading about that stuff, it was like, how do you how do you sort of trick them into training, but make it be fun so that it doesn't feel like work? It feels like you're just going out and doing something fun, but also be able to connect the dots on. You know, we do a ton of small area game stuff when I'm coaching, and I think you can really teach the whole game and playing cross ice and end zone hockey. Um, but you you have, to, you have to teach it too. Don't just drop the puck and let them go and do whatever you want. You know, give them some feedback, make the rules and, and the games a little bit differently so that they have to implement different strategies or different tactics. And then you can you can actually teach them just by virtue of playing the game, you know. But you also supplement it with the skill stuff and tactic stuff too. But I think it works pretty well. I've I've had good success, and I know lots of people do.
0: What what's the conversation like at the pro level? Do you think of keeping it fun when you're training? Like when we were golfing the other day in Highmore, I was like I was talking to Matt Highmore, and he was like, uh, "I was like, what's what's the training like in June?" And he's like, "Eh, it's not the most serious right now. It's it's time to rest a little bit, and we'll get back on the ice and we'll we'll start up here shortly." But I think about you guys and. Don't get me wrong. I love the game of hockey, but there was times at the end of the year when I played, I just, oh, just, I need to get away from it for a second. And you, a guy who lives, breathes, sleeps everything hockey, is there ever a point when it's time to train again and you're dreading it a little bit? Like, h- how do you keep it fun? And how do you? Well, that's the thing. You have conversations with We're guys still on working your team. On it. Yeah, yeah, you I'm know, still like, working it <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, but but what are some of the tricks that you're using? And maybe some of the guys on your team that are doing to to keep it fun in the summer?
2: Yeah. So when I was in junior, I was always I didn't take much time off at all I I loved the game so much and um Kiefer could attest to that I I, I was all hockey I just just loved it yeah. um and then whether it was injuries or um just just I don't know the daily daily grind or daily battles of being a hockey player I don't know what it exactly was but um it started to become a little a little less fun so I then it would it would. Caused me to take a little more time in the, after the season to recover. And um, so when you, when I was going back to summer training, I was, I was uh, loving it again and enjoying it and looking forward to it. So I'm still working on what the, what the best route to, to go is. Um, I think lots of guys are, are very different. I know some of my buddies have been in the, the gym or, or on the ice um, pretty much right after their season. Really? Um, I, I probably used to be like that. I'm not anymore. I think it's, um, just important to rest your body rest your mind because it is like you said you it, hockey doesn't change a ton i mean it's still it's still the same sport it's uh you you know justin from playing junior um but yeah you, you gotta you gotta relax you gotta rest and take time to recover
0: absolutely but yeah that's it's an interesting psychological factor of getting better of taking time off or not even taking time off just getting your mind away from it i actually want to talk to this about uh we had we had on uh, Morgan Barron the yeah 2 days ago and how he plays for the New York Rangers and how there's a as an aspect about New York how there's so much distraction of outside of hockey and how I wanted to talk to him about his teammates and some of the things that they did outside of the <laughs> rink to just get their mind off it so when they come back to the rink they're focused maybe it's a good thing maybe it's a bad thing I don't know but as long as I guess as you're getting better you're working hard you're keeping your head down and you're grinding I guess it's all for the it's all for the you know greater good um with your guys's hockey camp coming up what's what's your game plan together i'm assuming you guys have went out to starbucks and grabbed a coffee together and sat down and talked about how you're going to implement a, a better learning strategy what, what's the strategy
2: yeah um it's honestly going back to fun it's going to be a camp that i would have loved when i was a kid it's okay. going to be something that i would have jumped all over uh defense specific camp for kids who want to take their game to the next level and um are looking for for some ice in the summer i think it it lines up just before uh the major bantam camps and the 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 tryouts so it's good timing it's yeah again something i would have been all over and it's it's gonna be a lot of fun and you're gonna learn learn a lot it's gonna be stuff that i've i've taken from the pro level and i'm i'm showing it to you now in minor hockey which which i would have uh, benefited a lot from
0: are you gonna be looking to learn anything from him at all since he's been like in the business for a bit or are you looking to like steal from him a little
2: oh definitely yeah Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, some of the, the drills I have are definitely from Kiefer. He's, he's, uh, he taught me a lot and um, he can, he won't say this either, but he can, he can demo the drills. He's one of, he's one who can, he'll show you something on the whiteboard, but he'll be probably the best at the drill too. He'll be so at the he, front of the line. He, yeah. he uh, backs up his, what he, he teaches.
0: And what are you looking to, to teach Luke over these next couple of months during, or not? When is the, it's one month, the camp? Uh, A a week, week. uh, August 9th to 13th. So what are you looking to teach Luke, I guess, for
1: that week? I mean, for me, it's just more to try to be a support for him and a resource for him to to tap into as he needs to kind of get things pieced together for it. And I mean, I think one of the fun parts, I'm sure, for him is kind of putting his own fingerprints on his camp and, you know, drawing on his experiences that he's had coming up through and certainly in his pro days of, of being able to sort of piece that all together and, I think uh, you know the combination of having he and Matt doing a, a project like that together, and then uh, Matt Anthony and I coming in to support them and just sort of be that resource. Oh, Ants is going to be there too. Oh yeah, awesome. Yeah. Okay, oh, sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it should be fun. It'll, uh, yeah, little Newbridge reunion, and uh, yeah, but it'll it'll be good. And I think I think like I said, I know from from watching a lot of things that happen in those development camps with the pro teams, like it's really not much different than what we've done or i do on the ice or whatever like it's it's funny uh evan fitzpatrick was at st louis's uh development camp the year that he got drafted and i remember talking to him after because um, i i work with his agent and uh he was saying like all the stuff they were doing was stuff we did at newbridge you know like it and it was Mm. and it's not that we were way ahead of the curve but it was just that's the way the game was evolving right and there was tons of small area game stuff and cross ice stuff that that was just kind of getting into being a thing at the at the pro level especially in those development camps where they're just looking to try to put guys in different situations make them think a little and and uh you know put some insert some fun in it, right? I mean, you got guys that just got drafted and you're taking them right into this camp like just to go and grind them into the ice for 2 <laughs> yeah. hours a day is not not going to be yeah. a recipe for success, right? Yeah. So, I think they did a I think they're doing a, a obviously a great job at the pro level of of starting to understand that they're what the whole athlete needs, you know, and like we were talking about before like on the mental side of like teams have mental coaches now, you know. There's uh, and ironically, I think with the Rangers, there used to be a girl from uh, Dartmouth that used to be their sports psychologist. No way. Yeah. Is yeah. She. Do you know where she is? Kim is she- Amiro. She. Um. She's actually. Uh, she, I went to high school with her. Where'd you go to high school? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, Prince Andrew. Okay. Yeah and, uh, she was a real good athlete herself and just kind of got into that business. But I know she works with the national team has worked with all kinds of pro athletes and pro teams and stuff, but like there's somebody like her with every team, every team has a skills coach or a team of skills coaches. And, and that's just kind of been the evolution of it, you know? So I think they're, they, they understand the big picture now of just what, uh, what it takes to be successful. And I think with, uh, on the business side, when you look at the financial piece of the investment that they have in their players, they want to make sure that they're getting the most bang for their buck, you know, and really trying to do a good job to help yeah. develop those players and give them everything they need.
0: I always forget about the financial side of hockey. Like, when I'm watching hockey, I completely forget sometimes that these guys are millionaires. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's a, it's an investment. It's, it's crazy to think about. Do you think about that, Luke? Like, you're an investment. You, like, you know what I mean? Like, you are... Like yeah. you're a hockey player you're a person at the end of the day but when you're out there like someone's giving you a lot of money to perform
2: <laughs> yeah you definitely think about that once you get to the pro level it's something you don't know, even in junior though it's you, you kind of start to realize that you're still a young kid I was 16 when I started playing major junior but um, before then definitely did not think about that part at all um, I don't think many kids would uh, but you learn pretty quick it is a business guys are making a lot of money in the game and uh, there's a lot of executives and management and a lot of pieces of the puzzle that make a lot of money too so it's um it's like it's like other sports it's like other businesses it's it's uh revenue driven and how to maximize profits and it's yeah it's a it is a it is a business and you know, I, I definitely learned it not uh, before the pro level probably in the
0: junior level really the could you give me like an example maybe just like of um, how you like of how you start to see it's a uh... Yeah, but just, just I would.
2: negotiate in junior. You, you do sign uh, a contract to um, for them to hold your rights. Uh, so when you're 16, you're that's your first sort of taste of a contract. And yeah. when there's there's money involved, or like in the queue, you're getting your education paid for. And uh, there was even at that point there was some financial negotiations about how how we would set. Well, my brother and I, how would we be set up uh, after our playing days? It, uh, if we were to choose the university route, or if we uh, needed any financial support, but yeah, it was—you learn it basically at that first kind of contract negotiation when you're 16.
0: Uh, sorry, that's sorry about the dog good there. Good. I just got to bang the tape.
3: Not too loud, Justin.
0: I know, but but no, that's uh, yeah, 16 years old—that's young. Some people wouldn't uh, would have
2: someone else probably deal with most of their. There's stuff like that. I was pretty interested in in that whole side though, and um, but yeah, maybe some people really they wouldn't they wouldn't probably uh, realize it at sixteen, but um, at,
0: at the pro level, I'm sure you you'll you notice it. Yeah. Um, the age group that is going to be within this camp, what is it? Uh, it's Pee
2: Wee and Banham, so U13 and U15.
0: Yeah. Do you guys have it, uh, Well, I guess for you, Keefer? do you, do kids go to you for guidance and do you look at these kids and try to manage expectations? I, I know for a lot of, even myself and friends when I was younger, uh, managing my expectations of what team I was going to play for was very difficult for myself. I I'd tell myself, oh, I'm going to be on a major midget team or U18. What is it? U18, U18 now? 18, I, yeah. I'm going to be on a U18 team and you know, I just didn't make it. And that, that, that messed with me a couple years. Do you, do you take pride in that side of letting kids know, look, you have a shot. You could be here, but just get ready. If you don't make it, you still have to work twice as hard yeah. in order. Do you, do you, do you take pride in that aspect of yeah, it? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And it's
1: a part of like some of the spin offs of my business is to do some consulting stuff like that with players. And, um, I do some, uh, individual programs where I have some clients that, uh, you know, I do consulting with them as they're through their season. That would be, you know, watch them play a few games, take video of their games and we would kind of get, well, more recently maybe do it on a Zoom call or something if it wasn't face-to-face and just talk about their game. Hmm. Um, and not, not necessarily the X's and O's kind of thing. You don't want to contradict what a coach might be saying or whatever. But, um, you know, some based on some skill stuff we were working on in the offseason or during the season of – opportunities for them to use it in games and develop things like that and then that leads to other things of you know what what are you looking to do next year and uh i recently had a a player that contacted me that was wasn't sure about the whole u18 level of what he needed to do and yeah should he be reaching out or whatever and do things like that where you're just kind of you know sort of laying out the groundwork for how it typically works and how to you know consult them a little bit on how to how to contact the coach what do you want to say what do you not want to say and and things like that that you you need to be professional but you don't you know you don't want to come across the wrong way when you're talking yeah yeah so if you're going to go and talk to one of the u18 coaches you know if it's marty or tim or whoever around the city like you don't want to jump in there and act like you already made the team but you you want to sound confident and ask some questions and get the information that you need see where you fit and that's a tough thing a lot of times for a young person. But I know I know from coaching at that level and knowing the guys that coach at that level, they would much rather have a fifteen year old, you know, young person come to them and ask some questions or set up a a meeting and have that conversation than talk to their parents. Like they will talk to their parents obviously. In a lot of cases that's still Or it's the parents talking to the kids. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And but I think, you know, I always try to encourage the players to take ownership of that uh, yeah. and i see it even working at the at the university level you know like that's one of the things that i know troy ryan is really adamant about and it's different on the women's side than than the guy's side because um on the male side most of the players are coming out of junior played a lot of them play their overage age year or you know are turning 20 turning 21 on the female side you got you know young people coming out of high school when you think of the difference between when you're 17 turning 18 versus when you're 20 turning 21 it's only a couple of years but it's like very a lot a lot happens in those couple of years and even even the difference between yourself when you're in your third year at school versus your first year at school like you're figuring things out and trying to get acclimated to the situation so I think trying to you know encourage that is is good life skill for people I mean you got to you're going to have to do that in job interviews and prospecting for work and stuff for school or grad school and stuff. So I think it's good, good for them to be able to get into that.
0: I've had friends in the university level struggle with approaching their coach. Like, look, I'm on the fourth line. I'm getting four minutes a game here. I'm just going to go home and just, you know, it, it's, it's tough for, like, even though we were talking about midget or U18 kids, it's tough even I'm sure at the junior level to, yep. to be able, cause you know, like junior coaches, they're intense. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's what that's when you really get yelled at for the first time. Yeah, I'm sure by your parents, but like, yeah. you know, you get yelled at, and then you have to go into that man's office and tell him, Look, I'm living up in northern Quebec, I'm on the fourth line, I'm going home. Like it's tough for some guys. Yeah. Like knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's it's tough. <laughs> yeah. And I it, at the pro level, like I i have never had an agent before. And I've seen this is, oh, I love mic'd up videos. Through mic'd up videos you can tell a lot of things that are going on. There was a one with Vancouver. Who's the Vancouver coach right now? Tra- Travis Green Travis Green, and uh, it was a player going up to Travis and he's like hey like any chance like a couple pow- I can get a couple more minutes on the power play tonight or anything like that and Travis was like uh, ah, maybe I'll see I'll see what I can do and I, I think about a, a relationship between agents and managers and, and coaches and how that side of the game works and if a player doesn't want to approach the coach or if the player doesn't want to approach the GM they go through an agent do you, is that is that a common thing or is that is that all in my head you know if they want something more out of the team and they don't want to go to the coach Oh, it's... it's Why, well, am I not supposed to be no, asking no, that? No, is no, everyone it, laughing? That is a, a such a pain? relevant question. Are you in on something, Mark?
2: <laughs> that is such a relevant question. Is it? And uh, it's. Unreal. And there's no uh, equation that says, oh, if this is happening, you should go to your coach first or you should talk to your agent first or they should contact the coach or you go into his office right after. There, it's, And you have to be... It's just another, another thing. It's not just all worrying about your... Uh, Next shift or or next game, but, but there's a lot of uh, mind reading almost that needs oh. to be done, and how to how to speak to people properly in the right order. And I, I, I'm still figuring that out. Are that you? out too. Uh, most guys probably are, but uh, like Kiefer says, even at the midget level, I think it it's always best to just approach the coach yourself and yeah. uh, hear it hear it from the the, the source. The, the source, yeah, yeah. No, don't go through two or three other people and then by the time it gets to you it inf- information's broken and uh, just go right to the source that I find that uh, that works best.
1: Yeah. Good. yeah. Yeah, it's tough and I mean I, I when I played I can remember you know really crazy things when I played junior I remember we had switched coaches my first year so uh, we had three head coaches in the same season a major junior which was like it's pretty unheard of even now and uh, the so we <laughs> I get to camp you go in, you're trying to make the team with this coaching staff, and they're there for, like, 20 games maybe. And just internal things. The coach, back in this time, he was part-time. So imagine the Mooseheads coach working at Canada Post on the side. <laughs> you know, like, that. this is <laughs> that was legitimately what the, our coach did. You know, wow. was a great coach and ended up staying in the league quite a while after that. But, like, went to management, and I think I got sort of the sidebar of the story, but – he wanted to have it be his full-time job. They weren't ready to make that commitment, so he had to keep the security that he had with his other job, so left yeah. the team. So they brought in a second coach, and I think we were we were in first or pretty close to first. I was playing in Laval, and Hull was, we were sort of the two best teams in our division. And we, like, this coach comes in and basically plays our top ten players, like, flat out, like, basically double shifting almost every game Are you like top spring... 10 player no oh, okay <laughs> no. Um, and we had we had a really good team so like our our top out of our top six there were probably three three it's guys closer to the mic sorry oh, sorry yeah. yeah three guys were were already drafted and the the next three next three or four guys would all play pro of some kind whether nhl or ahl or whatever and uh But anyway, it was just like a grind. And you're playing Major Junior, so it's like, you know, most games at least – or most weeks, I should say, at least two or three games. And we got in this rut where we won, I think, out of the first four games, we went undefeated, like 3-1 and or 2 and one or something. And anyway, then these guys just were getting, like, grinded to death. So we were in Hull on a Sunday after – I'll never forget it. Sitting, not – like I maybe had a couple of shifts our line – over the first couple periods, but not very much, and then we went out on the ice, and there's like, and we're getting bombed, and like, shouldn't be like, wasn't that kind of a thing? Hull was really good, we were really good. Actually, Cam Russell played in Hull at the time. My
0: dad played in Hull with Cam Russell. Okay. Or, well, no, with Luke Robitaille. Okay, Luke would be Robitaille? before okay, that. Before, yeah, this yeah. would be just this would be just okay. after that. Okay. Yeah.
1: So <laughs> we we get out on the ice. We play this shift, we're coming over to the bench, and he basically waves us, a change on the fly, he kind of waves us to stay out. So we're like, you just kind of veer back in and go in. Well, you, I think somebody dumped a puck in or whatever, so he on the forecheck. Whistle goes, we come over to the bench. He says, no, you guys stay out. And you're just like, we're kind of looking at one another. And okay, so we go down and line up for the draw. Same thing, short whistle, we come over to the bench no, don't you guys want to play? And you're just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so all of a sudden, now it's like we haven't played hardly at all in, like, uh, weeks, really. And now it's, like, the challenge of where's your desire? I'm now giving you the opportunity to play. And it, like, gets into this whole little mind game, right? Of <sighs> So we played, like, I forget what it was. It was, like, three and a half minutes or something Street. like that. No change. Oh, no. Like, you're just on the just ice. like you were, this is your ice. <laughs>
0: and Hall's good at the time.
1: Like, they're a good yeah, team. Yeah, we, we were both really good. Like, oh it was, God. like, we were... Like out of out of our division, we were probably one of our two teams was going to go to the final and probably to the Memorial Cup because uh, Shakutami was hosting that year. Yeah. So whoever won our side of the of the our conference was going to go if Shakutami won the other side because the two finalists would just go to Memorial Cup, you. which I is actually you. what yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah. And uh, anyway, so it's like I forget what it was. We got bombed like by eight or nine <laughs> or something. We're coming off the ice. And it was the first time we ever kind of got into it with a coach. And he said something as we were going in the runway at Gertan Arena. And I kind of turned around and said something that I sh- never should have. Right. But you get caught yeah. in the emotion of everything that's going on. And uh, anyway, we kind of get in it in the hallway and he's like challenging us our line and me specifically about our desire to play and stuff. And I'm just like, are you kidding me right now? Like we haven't hardly touched the ice in like two weeks in games. And now you're getting us to play like four minutes at the end of a blowout game. And you're questioning our desire to play, like go back you know. to Canada post, buddy. Relax. Well, you know, this, was a, this was another guy. This was, was another, another guy. guy. Yeah. Okay, so, okay. you know, you like, it's one of those things where you, you switch coaches and trying to figure out you know, the, like to Luke's point, how you interact with them and who you, how, the communication and how it all works. Like the, the guy that was there the first time was Claude Terry and he was he was hard old school, but was not like that. Like he had expectation and would drive you and do things. And this other guy comes in, I won't name him because I've kind of thrown him under the bus, but <laughs> he like came in and was like like hard and lots of rules and stuff and structure but like was almost trying to make up for something that he was missing you know like where he needed to let you know he was the boss and he was in charge and he controlled everything you know and so he ended up only being there for about 15 games and then we had another coach and so in a span of a season I you know for me it was I played on a line where I'm playing with two drafted guys so it was uh Frank Gay and Sylvain Couturier who's a uh, owner of GM of uh, Bathurst. Okay. He's a beauty. Um, and F- Francois Gay. Uh, yeah. His son plays for uh, Charlottetown. Okay. Right, so you get two guys. They were both drafted. Both went on to play a fair bit of pro and stuff. I'm in a good situation, probably underachieving a little bit, playing with the guys that I was playing. Uh, but it had a good start. So you come into that situation, feeling good out of camp. You get a good start to the season. And then all of a sudden, there's a coaching change, and you go, like, now you're on the th- third fourth line and you're not really playing very much and then you switch coaches again and now the new guy that comes in he basically put uh, three rookies together and we were like a defensive line so we played a lot but he didn't really want us to play offense he mm-hmm. wanted us to get the puck in deep and then four check yeah. and then when your four check was like i remember we play hull and they would have uh, benoit brunet and this mark somia guy who played a lot of pro Brunei obviously played in the NHL and uh, Marty Gelina. that was their yeah. top line. So we had tons of ice because we were out and basically shadowing these guys all game, yeah. but you weren't allowed to play offense. You get the red line, get it in deep and go find your guy and basically One of those chase lines. him we around. We all know yeah. those lines. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. You're killing so, time. <laughs> so you go know, like in a, in a, in a span of about four months, like your, your life as a player just kind of has totally spun around three times of, you know, what, what are you supposed to be and ha- what kind of role do you yeah. have and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's weird, and you you try to have the conversations, but sometimes it's just you know beauty's in the eye of the beholder. They look at you as a player, and somebody sees you as this, and that may not be who you think you are, or who you want to be, but that's who they see you as being. So yeah. that's who you are. It's like you
0: know your identity, but you have a different role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: sometimes you can adjust to that role, and then other times it's it's hard because it's not not who you are, you know. So trying to figure that stuff out, I, that was the toughest part for me was. Uh, You know, through junior and even into college and stuff was just trying to navigate those uh, expectations of the coaching staff, you know, of what, you know, what, what does somebody really want to, it taught me a lot as a coach, like (laughs) to just kind of know, like when you're, I try to be upfront with players so that they know, like, you know, this is what we see you as being good at. Yeah. So we want to put you in a role to be successful. And the hard part is some players, I'm sure when I had the conversation with them, they were like "On." that's not who I want to be, <laughs> right? But yeah. they may not tell you that, yeah. and they'll yeah. kind of nod and, yeah, okay, yes, yeah. sure thing, coach. But in their head, they're thinking, I'm not even going to be close to doing that. you yeah. know. So it's it's a really weird situation. But I think once you get up to the major junior and the pro level, and even then I'm sure that there are guys that aren't on the power play or aren't doing things like you talked about in that Canucks thing, that want to see themselves as being in those situations, yeah. but the coaching staff may not. See it that way. See it that way. Or exactly that way. And sometimes it's a matter of an opportunity, open up through an injury or a trade or something going on where you can kind of slide into some extra ice or into a role that's really just kind of duct taping something together that fell apart. That you hope that the timing's right, that you can go in, make a bang, and kind of make (laughs) things happen. Timing's a big part of it. Oh, absolutely. Marshawn
0: said that about his second year in Boston. He's like, you kind of hope for people to get hurt, so you have an opportunity to go in. It's part of the business. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, crazy. Was, did Galant coach you in St. John? No, St. John. I was there after. No. But he wasn't... I, I heard great things about Gallant. And he would have been before, yeah. I've heard great things too. About being a, uh, just like a player's coach and great at communicating and just knowing what he wants from his players and his players delivering for him. Yeah, It'll be interesting to see what he does in New York. Yeah.
1: Really interesting. Yeah, I think he was kind of that kind of player, you know, like an was honest he? blue-collar, like, did a little bit of everything. Could score, was tough, could play defensively, like, really well-rounded and I think I've I don't know him but I've heard lots of people talking about him. I know people that have been around him and stuff and say the same thing so
0: I've heard great stories yeah. from
1: behind the scenes, like the way
0: he got let go in Vegas was terrible. Yeah, but it just you know, the the, the small town guy, Summerside, right? Yeah, yeah. Summerside going to New York. It'll be interesting to see what he's able to bring to that organization. Yeah. And I was talking to Baron once again, and he's in New York and he's excited. You know, another he's not a shoe in for the team, but just you know, another maritime coach. It's nice Absolutely. to nice to see a little maritime grit every now and then on the yeah, same yeah, team. So it'll definitely. be exciting to see what happens. Absolutely. Um, plans for the summer for both of you guys outside of the the camp. What are you guys mm-hmm. doing?
2: Uh, lots of golf. Yeah. yeah maybe I not know. at Brunello, but you we'll played good. You played, what'd you, what'd you shoot the other day? I forget. Oh uh, man. I was <laughs> mid nineties. <laughs> I was like uh low nineties, but there you go. I'm, I'm
0: usually low eighties at Ashburn. So it was a little different. Yeah. You Just, were good too, though. You're up bad. bad i bought it the day after that i bought a, a new titleless bag and it's coming here today so i'm pumped Oh nice. my bag broke it ripped kind of but it was just an excuse to buy another <laughs> bag <laughs> yeah. you know, whatever but what about you key for any clients?
1: uh yeah it's right now it's just kind of playing catch up with work with uh everything being closed for uh the yeah. last six weeks so yeah. i'll be busy with ice but yeah playing a little vacation on the long weekend yeah. uh, but most of it'll be in and out of the rinks and few few weekend getaways or something probably yeah that's the thing it is catch up right now because things
0: are starting slowly to come back to normal so the emails are starting to slowly come back in and scheduling for like august september yeah rolling around so it's like it's not busy but you know the wave is coming yeah and you're just kind of sitting here just waiting for it to happen yeah, but it's, it's good to be organized and ready to go yeah absolutely um so do you have any funny junior stories like that coming out of saint john or even pro I have a just, few, I don't know if I should say, a, a, just, a, say many just because I'm still,
2: still chasing it here, but, uh, <laughs> Kiefer is, it, it's just stuff like that still happens for sure. And, yeah. um, it, it, just navigating that whole coach player relationship and what, how to just different situations that are thrown at you at a young age and it's, it's very tough. And, um, again going back to how how different you are at uh as a 17 18 or and versus you at your early 20s it's pretty crazy to move away from home and get uh you're already living with a billet family you don't know and then to get all that thrown at you uh with hockey which which is usually your your safe space and usually you know everything about it but uh it is a lot for players and i have a ton of respect for guys doing it and i know there's a ton of guys out there that are Going through battles that that no one probably knows about, or, or other than their their parents, and um, a ton of respect. It's it's as hard mentally as it is physically, and um, those challenges mentally are uh,
0: sometimes a lot greater than the than the on the ice uh, it's good challenges and it's good for guys like you to recognize that and for you to have a hockey school and you're able to obviously mm. you're going to help kids with their skill set and things that they need to learn but every now and then i'm sure you're going to drop some pieces of advice for these kids to be able to move on with their hockey careers and know that at the end of the day everything's going to be okay and you're fortunate to play the game of hockey for mm. for fun so yeah definitely. it's good it's good that guys like you are starting to do things like this and that's what i love about this podcast is if i had this podcast when i was younger I'm not saying I'd be better off where right now, but just being able to have people like you come on here and just talk about hockey and talk about the the behind the scenes aspect of it, I think it's beneficial. I Super. It, it's it's not a whole reason why I do this podcast, but it's definitely a percentage of it. I. It even helps me just like knowing that other people are somehow battling through a, a situation that involves the sport. It doesn't have to be hockey. It could be any sport. Mm-hmm. We had a we had a, a an Olympic rower on here that didn't make the uh, Brett Himmelman who didn't make the cut. But he talked about still training and still pushing for the 2024 Olympics or 26, nice. whatever it was. And just just knowing that everyone's kind of going through a situation. And at the end of the day, there's a light at the end of the tunnel and you keep pushing. I don't know. It's nice. It's a nice Definitely. feeling knowing other people are battling through it. Yeah. It's a grind. It is. Yeah. But you got to love the grind. Yeah. Even if it's head games you with the coach. You have to find some love in the like, grind. <laughs> oh, I think you get everything. Like, yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's, I think
1: now it's – it's. I think there's a lot more good information about the mental side of things. Oh, and, yeah. And resources for players and young people to tap into. I think that – I think people just being more conscious of of it is a huge thing. Right. I mean, I mean, like I said – telling war stories about when I played junior. It was like, like figure it out. Like like the stuff that went on in dressing rooms and yeah. training camps and stuff when I was in junior. I mean, people would be arrested today. <laughs> oh, like it's just the way yeah. it was, you know, I mean. I don't think I played a year of junior where a team that I was playing on somebody wasn't in the stands fighting a fan. Like that's where it was, right? Like too bad they didn't have cameras back then. Like right now, like there's there's a phone phone in every
0: rink, but back then, no. Imagine if there was phones back then. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it was we were talking about like the the good old days of the forum and stuff. And like it's hilarious (laughs) some of the things that happened. It happened like my. I think the first road game I played in Major Junior, a guy dumped a beer on one of our my teammates when we're going off the ice. Oh. And it wasn't even like, am I going to go? Like, he was, like, <laughs> scaling up the side of the thing after this guy, like, full There's gear. There's no hesitation. No, it was so, just like that. It was like somebody you know gives you a cheap shot in the ice and you're gonna like make sure you give him something back just to let him know that you're there yeah except this was a guy in the stands and the guy's gone right like it was just it was just so a matter of fact then where now it just i mean you see it makes a highlight reel now but i mean it was like almost like a weekly occurrence back then it was crazy
0: during the uh during the lockdown covid sports that was showing old games of like montreal new york back when like bobby smith was in montreal and just yeah. watching the hacks like just like Oh no, yeah, no slashing. Just like <laughs> yeah, on a back check, a guy would just slash the guy in the pants. No yeah. call. Just keep going. Like a penalty was a cross check to the face, maybe. Yeah, like, it was unbelievable watching. And you know, COVID, there was really nothing to do, so I'd sit there and watch an old nineteen eighties Montreal Canadian versus Hartford yeah. Whalers game, yeah. and you're just blown away the by some of the Steph things. A, the hooking, like, the yeah. just the stick work yeah. of no calls. Yeah, and you watch the games now, it's just oh, yeah, that's a, a yeah. slash. You're done. Yeah. It's you know, crazy. The, to the think.
1: obstruction stuff is funny because I've, I've well, I remember watching uh, this was a couple of years ago. My kids were a little bit younger, but they found a uh, it was like a VHS tape of a couple Dow games or whatever. I'd love to see. So those. we we plug it in and start watching. It was like I, like you would literally let a guy get a step on you just so you could hook him and ride him up the ice. Like that was just what you did, right? So you had your check. Whereas now, as soon as your sticks parallel, you're getting a penalty, right? But that was just the way it was, right? Like it's just how how the game got played then.
2: Still put up fifty. Yeah, you still up fifty. Yeah, that's it's crazy. Yeah. Your
1: your
0: stat line is very impressive. It's uh very yeah. impressive. Yeah, I had that's, some good uh... I had some good line mates back then. So yeah, I love that back because the, the old Olympic the old Dow rink was Olympic size, correct? No, no it, was, it wasn't. No, so they NHL. expanded it over because I'm pretty sure it was at when they tore it down. It was Olympic, wasn't it? I don't. Or was it NHL?
1: It was always NHL, oh. as far as I know. I don't know if they, I don't think they did any renovations. Okay, but,
0: I, I always remember that rink being huge. I love playing there because yeah. you just take the D wide forever. It's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I, I used to love playing in that
1: rink. Well, compared to, depending on where else you were playing, if you're out here, or at Centennial, Centennial, yeah, or the BMO, Bulls in gray wasn't and Gray yeah. yeah. Devonshire, we yeah. did play games, but yeah, there's some rinks
0: you practice on here and the, the neutral zone is the size of this table. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. St. Margaret's Bay. I always like playing there. That's yeah. Olympic size. The yeah. new one, I'm pretty sure.
1: Yeah, it had. Uh, yeah, they changed it. I think for the Canada Games. But when they first built it, it was Olympic width, but regular yeah. length. Yeah, was how that one was. But yeah, when we played college, I think Acadia has Olympic, and UCCB was actually in the league then too, and they had Olympic. In the queue, does every rink have to be the same? Like is the metro center uh, the same size? as are They not.
0: generally are now. I think. was is is not the same ba- size. What about Rouen? Drummond,
2: Drummondville? No, Rouen. No. no. So there's no like regulation. Yeah, some old burns and the key Yeah, Shakudemi's at uh, Olympic. Yeah, uh, they're not all the same size. No. no. Do you like when you play Olympic? Did you like it or no? It's probably yeah, tougher for a. We played a couple games there. Yeah, I didn't get up to Shakudemi a ton, but
1: I'd I'd really like the Olympic guys. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, it, I always found it weird. Really? It's just like you just you're, you're spacing. If like you were would, on it all the time, I, it yeah, would be yeah, sweet. yeah, but it yeah. is hard yeah. to jump in and out of it. Yeah, like just where you, you know you get uh, you're familiar with the marks on the ice or where the dots are mm. or things like that. Yeah. like you would you would spin off of a guy and think that yeah, oh I'm good. Yeah. and it's like oh, just on the corner. It's like I got <laughs> yeah. ten more steps to get where I thought Your I was. Your depth you know? yeah. Yeah. perception yeah. is off. Yeah, and you yeah. think like you say you would have that room to beat a guy wide, but then you're so wide. Mm. That and it again. It's only what is it? It's Fifteen feet difference, so it's like seven and a half feet aside. So you don't think that's it's not very much, but it was it was weird. Like a of- yeah. yeah, yeah. I uh, found it was a, a, always a little awkward, but you get used to it easy enough. But it was it was always weird.
0: Yeah, the big rinks. I loved them. Then the Dow rink, the that wooden roof. I was obsessed, obsessed with that roof. Yeah, the smell walking in there. The seats all on the left. Yeah, yeah. We were it was talking. A good uh, the. the I've never played in there when it was packed, but I imagine that old valve form has good atmosphere when everything was up on the left hand. Oh side. yeah.
1: Yeah. We had some really good crowds in there for playoff games with St. Mary's and Acadia in particular that were, yeah, it would be like 2,500 or so people Man. in there. And I'm sure you had beer, beer sales, sales too. Oh yeah. And yeah. Tons of students and stuff like that made it cool. I think that's one of the, the hard parts now is with <sighs> the, their facility being off campus, even trying to, Arrange, you know, student tra- transit over and back mm-hmm. and stuff. They just can't yeah. get the same buy I mean, well, you okay. could basically hang out at your res and then pop over for the game. Maybe if you only watched a period <laughs> or so and figured yeah. out whether you wanted to stay or not, none of that stuff happens anymore. So it'd be nice when they get that new building done.
0: Well, I'm thinking of SMU. SMU's rink, I'm pretty sure it was built, like, mid-COVID or it opened mid-COVID. Yeah. And I don't even know if they were allowed to have full capacity in there. Do you, what, do you know that, Mark? Uh,
1: I'm pretty sure it was, like, maybe... Fall 2019's when it opened, so... Yeah,
0: but like, did, were they allowed to have false fans in there? Well, that was before that. Nonetheless, like that, it kind of upsets me a little bit. Like, it's it's the best hockey in the city, Aus U Sports, and uh, the fact that there's no fans at some of the games makes me a little upset. Yeah, like yeah, just going weird. back to the, just thinking back to the days when I went to go watch Smu, and I don't know. I I want to see it happen.
1: I hope they do some some stuff, think outside the box a little bit. I know they used to do uh, what they call it, uh, they had like a tournament that was like regular season games. Um, And this was way back, like before I was playing, but they basically had like uh, at the Metro Center or Scotiabank. Metro. No. Metro, so. Yeah. Sorry. They would uh, they would have the round robin games would be regular season games and then the like semi or final or whatever would count as exhibition games. Uh, the, the lobster pot or something like that. I That's a great to name for tournament. Yeah, but yeah, it was something like that. It had a, a East Coast kind of vibe nice. to it. Nice. And uh, and it was a great idea. But like, just you know, you think of the attraction that they get with the uh, that U Sports stuff with Aus with the basketball and things like that. When that they kind of have an well. event like that, yeah. it seems to really yeah. get people's attention. So. I think I wish they would sort of think outside the box for some of the other things. So I think hockey could pull that off. We're
0: we're talking to a couple schools right now. I'm not going to name them, but we're talking about putting together some like uh, like packages for us to go in with the cameras, like into the dressing room and do a little behind the scenes stuff. So hopefully, we can show a little bit of a personality side and then also show like the skill set, like you know those mic'd up videos we do. We're trying to do like a little bit more of a consistent schedule because last year it was so on and off, on and off. So if we can have like consistent schedules with these teams around here, yeah, and just pump out content and you know there's some local guys on smew that people know of but don't really know personally i don't know we're, we're just we're, we're we're talking we're working but it would be nice to have those those games full yeah it'd be nice yeah it would be how, how much time are we at right now Mark? An what an hour we're at an hour yes. oh my god time flies um is there anything else i should be asking about the, the the camp that you guys want to put out there to to the public
2: not really we hit on a, a few we points hit on there i just register now Pardon? Yeah, register <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah. Email Luke Greenhawk School. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> no, say it, honestly. Like, yeah, I I think I covered it, but it's just something I would have loved when I was a kid, and it would have helped me a ton in the development process. So they're going to learn things that I didn't learn until major, junior, and pro, and they'll learn it in U13 and U15, and that will I trust that'll help them a ton,
0: and uh, it'll be a fun week. And where can people find out more information on it? I know there was a poster of everything listed
2: yeah, I have a few social media accounts just on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, just, uh, just Luke Green hockey school. You'll, you'll find it. Um, the email is just, just right there on the social media. And if you you want to register, there's a few spots left. If you want to register, shoot me an email and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it.
0: Awesome. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much for, yeah, for joining the show. I really do us. appreciate this. I think it worked out great. Um, yeah, you guys are welcome back anytime. And once the camp starts, we'll get the ball rolling on some content. We'll mm-hmm. show the people why you guys are the best, and we'll we'll figure it out. <laughs> Good to go. go. Perfect. All right, <laughs> everyone. All right. Thank you very much for listening. I appreciate it. Like I said, it is uh, Wednesday, Hump Day, halfway through the week. Work hard, have fun, stay safe, enjoy the summer. Golf, play hockey. We're out. Peace.
3: taught you how to live out on the street and now you're gonna have to get used to it